like us to do is we're going to just kind of now move into our message for today. If you have your Bibles, you can start looking up if you want to. It'll be on the screen as well. But you can start looking up Luke chapter 14. Okay, that's what we're going to that's where we're going to be spending some time. And I know some of you need a little time to find Luke chapter 14, and that's totally fine. We are in a series, a little short two-week series that we are calling Discipleship. What's a disciple? That's kind of what we're asking. What's a disciple? Okay. What's a disciple? Last week, we talked about... Uh, well, I'm going to unpack that here in a second, but we talked about being called by God. Today, we're going to be talking about offering our whole lives to God and what that really looks like. Okay. couple months ago in April, uh, my brother had his uh, wedding. And many of you remember I was gone one of those Sundays. I think it was like Palm Sunday or maybe the Sunday before. I was gone that Sunday. And we were up in Wisconsin. I got a picture of me and some of our, uh, my brothers and uh, some of the guys that we were with. We were up there uh, for my brother's wedding. And, for my, and this was my youngest brother who was getting married. Uh, which one is he? I don't know, the little weak one. The little weakling. We boss around. Uh, he was getting married, and this was his bachelor party. Uh, we were going to go up to my dad's property, and we were going to just shoot a bunch of guns, and we were going to uh, lay hands on and pray and, and uh, talk about uh, you know, giving him some wisdom and those kinds of things and just kind of hang out, eat a lot of food, drink a lot of drink, and just kind of hang out and have a good time. And so this is what we were doing. We were up at my dad's land. This is in my dad's machine shop. And um, one of the things that, that uh, we were doing is we were shooting a lot of guns, but one of the problems was one of the problems was that it was so wet. And uh, I don't remember what it was in Texas at the time, but up in Wisconsin this past spring, they had a very wet spring, a lot of rain, a lot of stuff. And uh, during the bachelor party, it was raining as well. And so the fields were all muddy and everything was all, all muddy and all this kind of stuff. And so we opened up one of the side doors and what we were doing is we were shooting skeet out of the, basically the machine shed. And so we were, you know, throwing skeet out and shooting skeet and all this kind of stuff, really trying to stay dry. And so we were inside and uh, my dad had gone through all his spiel already about like where to park so that, you know, you don't leave ruts in the driveway and you don't leave ruts in the, 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 the grass and all this kind of stuff. My dad, you know, because then he goes and mows in the summertime. And so he's laying out all these rules about how everything's got to be perfect and all this stuff. Okay. And so there was just this moment, there was this moment where we were just kind of, um, we were all just kind of standing around talking and we were looking out into this, the, the video you're about to see, don't show it quite yet, Lyle, but the video is, you're not going to understand quite how wet it was and how it was, it was raining and it was really cold. You got to remember Wisconsin and it was cold, rainy, muddy. My dad had already given all these rules about what not to do and all this kind of stuff about where to park and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden we're all, we're just sitting around kind of talking. We, we just got done shooting some guns and um, we're just kind of talking there and, and out into the field. And then all of a sudden, and I didn't catch the moment that I really want to capture today, but that's okay. I caught a little bit of it. And so here's a little bit of my dad uh, 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 really quick here. Go ahead, Lyle. That's my dad on the left, on the four-wheeler. Yeah, I knew the reaction. 
election was going to be like this, and it's just kind of like, you're not getting quite what, what happened, okay? Let me just tell you what happened. My dad comes tearing across, like as fast as that four-wheeler could go, tearing across in front of us, and, and again, we've been trying to stay dry for hours, and he literally tears across uh, this grass that he just told us to be really careful with and everything, and my dad's whipping donuts, and he's going out on the tilled field, and my dad is just getting all covered in mud, and there's just all sorts of stuff going on, and, and it didn't look like they're going that fast because they'd actually slowed down because they're kind of bogging, but, but my, I, and that's why I missed, and this why maybe I shouldn't have even shown this because you're just not getting it, but that's okay, but he comes tearing across, and what I just love is, is for me at least, it was a moment where I saw my dad just like go all in. This is the phrase I'm going to use today quite a bit. He just goes all in. He doesn't care if there's a moment where something switched off in his brain, right? He doesn't care if stuff breaks. He doesn't care if stuff is, uh, you know, if he's muddy. He doesn't, he doesn't care about anything in this moment other than he made a decision that he's just going to haul into this into, um, and just start whipping donuts. And then my, uh, the, uh, the other little side-by-side, my, my younger brother who's getting married, he's in there. So they had kind of conspired and my dad's doing this for him and all this kind of stuff. And it was just this moment there's this moment of all inness, all inness that I, I kind of wanted to try to capture. I could have told you about the time our youth leader with all of our youth group ran across the tilled field trying to chase down a coon and, and beat it to death with a bat. I could have told you that story. Uh, I could have told you the story. I mean, there's so many stories. You know, sitting in a line over here at McDonald's where you're in line for like 25 minutes and you finally put it in park and you just tell yourself, I could drive out here and drive away, but I'm all in. And if I have to sit here all night to get this double cheeseburger, I'm gonna stay all night. <laughs> like there's all these moments of all inness, right? You've had some of these moments. Maybe you've been pushed into a corner by somebody and you're like, you know, I'm not gonna take another step backwards. I'm all in forward. I don't know. What is that moment for you where you've been all in? Like you, there's just a switch goes off where you're like, okay, not another, not another moment or I'm going all the way here or whatever it might be. What's that all in this? You know, I, 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 I in respect, didn't throw him up, although I kind of should have. I found a picture of Jesus playing poker and I should have used that one up there today. But you know, what does it look like to be all in? You know, maybe you're thinking poker or something. I don't know. I like playing poker with some chips. What does all in look like? Last week, we talked about being called by Jesus. Discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus always starts with Jesus. It doesn't start with you. It starts with Jesus. Being a disciple of his always starts with Jesus coming up to you and saying, come follow me. You come follow me. And it's his voice. It's the voice of Jesus that draws us. It's the voice of Jesus that gives us the invitation to come and follow him. And we unpacked that last week. Last week, I was honestly a little unimpressed with the response from y'all. And I get it. And me and actually David were talking a little bit after the message. Yet last week's sermon was all grace. Like there was almost no law. It was just all what God is doing for you. And it is amazing to me how when we hear a message on all grace, 
it's, it's, it's interesting to me how that sometimes doesn't stir us. Today's message probably will get more people coming up to me saying, good job. And yet it's actually last week's message that I would probably argue is the more important message. Today will feel better. And yet last week is the one where if you miss last week, you're screwed. You can't miss discipleship being grounded in Jesus. Now today we're going to step into us going all in. And so today it's going to stir some of you up and you'll be like, yeah, I need to do that. Maybe I need to take that. Praise God. And that's what I'm going to try to accomplish. But don't miss last week. Don't miss last week. Because we are, go bring this, bring this, little, uh, this little thing up here, Lyle, where, yeah, called by Jesus, that was last week. Today we're going to talk about, the, now the other side of the coin is that we offer our lives to Jesus. We're completely all in. So last week was, someday when you're in heaven, or in the new heavens and the new earth, when you're there, it will only be because of Jesus and what he's done for you. That's it. It will not be anything that you have done that will make it so that you are loved more by God or that he's called you because, you know, all of the good things you do. Or something. You will only be there because of Jesus and what he has done for you and the faith that he gives to you. It's, it will only be by grace, through faith, that you will be with Jesus for all of eternity. They'll have nothing to do with you. Nothing. That's called justification. Today we're going to be talking a lot about sanctification. And what sanctification is, it is also the work of the Holy Spirit. And yet we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this sanctification life. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit because we have been made new. We've been given the new manness. And now we, working in step with the Holy Spirit, follow him. Follow him. Okay? So what I want to do is I want to read. What I, actually, let, can I just pray? That was sermon number two. Now let me pray. And then I'm going to read and then we're going to unpack. I could go a lot of different places today. I could go a lot of different places, but where I'm going to take you, last week I took you to a narrative. I took you to a story where Matthew was called. Today I'm going to take us to a teaching of Jesus. Okay, Luke chapter 14. I'm going to take us to a teaching of Jesus, and then I'm going to unpack that. But let me pray first. God, <clears throat> we're 11 minutes in, Lord, and we haven't even started. Lord, as we come before you now, we calm our hearts and our minds. I want to calm myself, Lord, because I want to capture so much today, and I'm, I'm nervous of how much there is to say. Help me to keep it tight, Lord, so that we don't miss the, the real call to us today to follow you, to be all in. Lord, please, Holy Spirit, come now and fall afresh upon us. Spirit of the living God, you have to come and blow over us, Lord. Please come and do that work now that only you can do. 
getting deep down into our hearts, not through a cute little story that Seth says about his dad, not through little nice little tips of wisdom or whatever, through a demonstration of the Spirit's work, a demonstration of power, Lord, as you penetrate hearts and souls. Please do that this morning, God. That's what I want to be part of. I don't want to be part of surface level stuff. So please do that today, God. Um, pray this boldly in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to be steered by you to say what you once said this morning, God. God, that we would be humble, that we would humble ourselves, and that you, we would just hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 14. No, not Matthew, Luke. Luke chapter 14, don't be mad. Now, great crowds accompanied him. Well, notice this. Who's he talking to here? He's gonna be talking to the crowds. Great crowds were accompanying him. And Jesus turned and said to the crowd, not just to his couple 12 disciples, he says to the whole crowd, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Oh, crap. What the heck does that mean? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down? I gotta be better about not saying that word actually, babe. Remind me of that because don't, we don't let our kids use that word. So. I'm sorry. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you desiring to build a tower? Now Jesus kind of gives a, a little example here, a little story. Which of you, if you desire to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and isn't able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, a.k.a. Sam's Club. Anybody annoyed about that one? Amazon store up here saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war, will he not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation out and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Holy smoking. Now, Jesus says some really hard things here, doesn't he? This is some hard stuff. I mean, you got to hate your mom. You got to hate your mom. Yeah, you got to bear your cross. Renounce all that you have. What do we think about that? Just sit on that for a second. What's Jesus saying here? Now, we know that by hate your mom, he doesn't, it, there's got to be something else there because um, scripture interprets scripture, which is a really a, an important teaching that many of you really need to learn. Hear that, that's just a little side note. Scripture interprets scripture. So when there's a clear passage that comes up against a less clear passage, we start with the clear passage. And we know that we are called to honor our father and mother. 
We know that Jesus, uh, that God's word talks, tells us to love our spouse. And so, okay, what is Jesus saying here then? If we let scripture interpret scripture, not just take it and, and make it what we want to make it, we let God's word interpret his word. What is he saying? Well, we, we quickly can realize he's talking about discipleship. He's talking to the crowds and he's unpacking for them what it looks like to follow him. And following him, the most important thing will be relationship with God. It will be last week's message. It will be an understanding that, that, that relationship with God is, is more important and more significant than any other relationship. It's like Jesus when he says, oh, how do you define the commandments? Can you give me the commandments a little simpler? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God first, then love Neighbor second. This is what we teach our kids. I teach our kids. What are the two most important things in this life? We teach them so that they respond with something like Jesus and people. That's what's most important in life. Jesus is first, then other people. Love God, love your neighbor. And so we know when Jesus is saying this, he's not saying hate the way you immediately think of hate. He's saying your relationship with God is so first and foremost that any other relationship that you have outside of that is going to be so much more insignificant than that. And in fact, it's when my relationship with Jesus is first that Jesus will then tell me what it looks like to love my neighbor. It will actually be Jesus who teaches me what love for my spouse looks like. It will actually be Jesus who redefines. See, that's the word I want to get to there. He redefines what we've thought love for my spouse looks like or what we thought love for my children look like or what we thought. He will, because of our relationship with him, our whole lives will be changed so that it will, he will redefine it. And he'll show us what real love is. He'll show us what it really looks like to care about the people around us. This isn't to hate so that we just, I now hate my family. No, no. I will have, Jesus is saying, the point is, Seth, that you will be so in relationship with me that I will teach you what it looks like now to love your family and come around them. I will redefine those things that you thought were just kind of like a no-brainer, he's now going to show me what that really looks like. I think of Ephesians. Husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church. That's a redefinition of the way our culture talks about love. You've been taught to love until it starts to get annoying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And we've lived this. We know exactly what this really feels like. And Jesus is going to show us to love like he loved the church. How did he love the church? What did that look like? Well, even when we were his enemies, he came and died for us. That's Romans. He came and died for who? The cute, nice people or the 
ungodly idolaters who'd been, you know, well, whoring after. You go to, you read Ezekiel sometime. I love the way he, he always uses the word whore. I don't know why that's funny to me, but yeah, who goes and sleeps around with all the other people. This is a picture of our idolatrous relationship with, with the stuff of this world. God's word uses it. And it's a picture, and, and it's even when we're, when, when we're doing that, that he comes and saves us. Holy smokes, that's last week's message. We're not even to this week's message. I brought up a, here's a quick collage. I don't know how to spell collage. This is what it's going to look like today. This is what today's message is about. Surrender. Dying to the self. Giving up. Laying it all down. Being a servant. You know, Jesus, the God of the universe, takes a towel and gets down and washes his disciples' manure stained feet. Huh? Jesus begins to teach us what it looks like to be a disciple, to be actually a follower of his. This, these are some of the biblical concepts, obedience. What's it going to really look like to follow Jesus? You know, just a couple chapters earlier in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this. Jesus says this. Look at this. Verse 23, and Jesus said to them, if anyone would take, come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You give up everything when you're a follower of Jesus. You lose all control. You die to yourself. When you're all in, it's all in his hands. Everything. That's what we're after today. This is what Jesus is after. And we've got to make sure we don't take the word and soften it. That's what typically happens. You know, I've been looking at this book here by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. And I'd encourage anybody that would want to take a look at this, go ahead and go pick it up. But he's got a chapter in here where he talks about single, look at this, how he says this. Uh, he talks about, oh, I wrote it down. Single, yeah, single-minded obedience. Single-minded obedience. And the chapter unpacks this idea that when we hear things from God's word, we sometimes try to soften it. Like, yeah, but did he really mean that? You know, when he told the young, the young rich man to go sell everything and come follow him. Yeah, okay, did he really mean that? And, we, and this, what, what Bonnie really pushes us to think about is single-minded obedience. When we understand what it means to follow Jesus, we're all in. Every single aspect of our life. And don't soften it. Today, one of the biggest dangers in this message is that we would hear the message and then kind of theologize it a little bit. Well, yeah, but did he, yeah, but okay, but, but, yeah, that little bit different. No, no, no. Let the, let the force of the message today drive you to think about what it means to be all in with Jesus. Not half in. See, we sometimes want to go halfway in. 
What does halfway in Christianity look like? Halfway in Christianity looks like this. We might, well, I mean, it can look at different ways, but we might say something like, well, I'd like to keep in my back pocket a card that says, you know, I get to go to heaven. So I'm gonna keep this in my pocket in case I ever need that bad boy. And so I'm gonna kind of go to church once in a while and make that, okay, that'll be good. And I'll maybe kind of go through some religious thing that will allow me to kind of be able to someday bring up to Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's up? Uh, you know, remember that time. And, and we kind of keep in our back pocket and yet the rest of our life isn't surrendered to him. He doesn't have the final say on where we live our lives. He doesn't have the final say what job we get. He doesn't have the final say in which school we go to. He doesn't have the final say in what we do with our finances. He doesn't have the final say in where I look with my eyes. He doesn't have the final say in the way I treat my enemy. He doesn't have the final say in any of that stuff. But I got this nice little, you know, I got in my back pocket something I can maybe use someday. And a lot of people like that. And Jesus calls us to something different. He says that has to be put to death. That will have to die. That heart, that mindset, that attitude, I'm going to go after putting that to death. And God, watch this. Oh my gosh, please follow this. God will love you so much that he will... He will even let you go through really hard things to teach you that. Because he loves you so much. He will actually try to teach you and so that some of those things, attitudes, hearts, whatever it might be, can actually die. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced his discipline. I mean, that's actually a very biblical idea. You'll actually receive this. Scripture says discipline starts in the house of God. It starts with the church. One day it will be, you know, the judgment day for the ungodly, for, the, for those who are disconnected. That will come someday. Judgment starts now in the church. And God is working these things in you, trying to put idolatry to death in you. He, why? Because he loves you so much. Because he loves you so much. And he's calling you to full obedience. He's calling me to that. To full obedience. This is when the rubber really meets the road. Because the question quickly becomes, what happens when we want to do something different than what God wants to do? I had somebody call me this week and say to me, I'm really sensing God wants me to go this route with my career to do a different job, but I'm going to lose about $5 an hour. That's hard. That's not easy. When you, when you think it through in kind of a, what you're thinking and you're like, I could make a little bit more money that I could, this would be more helpful to me. Like, this is what I need to make happen. And yet you over here are like, since God is saying to do this, what are you going to do? Half in Christianity says, well, I'm going to keep that I get to go to heaven someday and I don't have to go to hell, keep that card in my back pocket, but I'm going to do what I think is best over here. Which school do we go to? 
where do we live? You know, I never want to live in Kansas. I never want to live in Kansas. I don't want to live in California. I don't want to live in Arkansas. Uh, we always joke because we always used to joke about buying land in Arkansas way before we ever even moved to Texas, like a total joke. And now sometimes I'm like on realtor.com looking at land up in Arkansas, <laughs> cheap land up there, you know, you want some hunting land or something. I don't want to live in Arkansas though. I don't want to live in Arkansas. I don't want to live in, I don't want to do those places. I want to live in Texas. And yet, you know what's so funny is, we'll, Jackie and I will check our hearts sometimes and just say, God, we want actually even though I don't want to live in Kansas, I don't want to live in California, I don't want to live in, in Nebraska, I don't want to live in those places. But when I stop and just think to myself, I, I think, okay, but do I want to do, and at the end of the day, I actually want to do what God wants me to do. So if God actually wants me and my family to move to Kansas, even though I don't want to live in Kansas, I'll go to Kansas. If that's where you want me to go, God. I'll go to Kansas for you. How many of you are, are in neutral enough to go to Kansas? If you need to go to Kansas. That's, I'm just asking you are, you, are you neutral enough to go to Kansas? You don't want to go to Kansas. I understand you don't want to go to Kansas. I don't either. Will you go to Kansas if God wants you to go to Kansas? Because he actually knows what's best. Isn't, doesn't he? He actually is our good father who, who, who's directing our lives and wants what's best for us. He, act, he is someone we can actually trust. And so I don't want to go to Kansas, Lord, but if you want me to go to Kansas, I will actually do what's against my mind and go to Kansas. And it's against, what is it against? It'll go against all of my plans. My plans like how I'm going to retire and the first summer that I'm, I'm into retirement, what me and Jacqueline and are going to do. And then how we're going we're gonna to have, you know, this amount of money saved up and social security and this will be there and maybe we'll have a little rental and all of my plans, see, are all of my plans at the Lord's disposal. Maybe he doesn't want me to do that stuff. You know, I sit at home at night and so many of you do too and you think about it and process it. Oh, this is, all, this is how it's all going to go. Yeah, but are you in neutral enough to just follow him? where he'd have you go. I'm getting a little bogged down more than I was thinking. What happens when we start to suffer? What happens when we start to suffer? When you get the news that you got a terminal illness, what are you going to do? Just stop being a disciple of Jesus? What are you going to do when you start to, when, you, when the finances start to get hit, that you lose your job? What's it going to look like to be a follower of Jesus in that? What are you going to do when people start to die around you? Are you just going to stop being a disciple of Jesus? Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. In this world, you will have trials and tribulations. We will suffer. You will carry crosses. This is what being a disciple is going to look like. To be all in. To be all in. Is, are, is everything in, guys? That's all I'm asking you today. Are your finances, not, not 10% of them. Now, I'm not talking about a tithe. I'm talking about every single dime you make. Is it all in to what God would have? And I'm not, I'm talking about your, your truck, your house, your education, 
your family, your entire life, all your hopes, dreams, is it all in? And are we waking up each day and saying, God, I know what I kind of want to do, but what I actually want to do as a follower of you is do what you would have me do today. Full surrender. Every single aspect of our life. Submitting to his will. Somebody might say, well, what's his will? What's his will? I don't know what his will is. Oh, I'm so scared. Well, okay, let's just, just let's think for a second. What's his will? What's God's will? Let's start with some of the basics. Let's start with the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. That's his will. There it is. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. There it is. Uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. There it is. Honor your father and mother. There it is. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. There it is. There's his will. Now take the spin it and take it the way Jesus has us reflect on it. Love God, love your neighbor. So now it's not only, see, this is what the catechism does so well. Make sure you grab a catechism on the way out and look at the 10 commandments because Luther does a great job of breaking this down where he doesn't only take the negative, you shall not have any other gods. He also flips it and looks at the positive and says, love the Lord your God like crazy. I don't, only, I don't only not murder, but I actually help my neighbor and I care for them and I walk with them. I don't only not covet my neighbor's stuff, but I actually, hey, how can I make your life better? How can I come around you and build you up? How can I come and walk with you and help mend your fence? I don't only, see, do you see that? Do you see how Jesus does that when he says, love God, love your neighbor? It's not just don't, it's also do. This is what being a disciple of Jesus is. It's the other side of the coin. It's the word, and this is where our theology is so brilliant. It's just awesome. It's sanctification. It's the spirit of God in us, shaping us, growing us, helping us to see. I mean, if I was just to take it to the extreme, I'll say it like this. He's changing us to look more and more like Jesus. That's what he's doing. And we have the opportunity to actually walk in that. This is why our vision as a church is gathering around God's word and prayer and going where we live, work, worship, and play. There it is. What do we do? What would that look like? What does that mean? That means I gather around the word and prayer with others daily in my own house, weekly in God's house, bi-weekly in a friend's house, our small groups. I gather, I hear what God is telling me, and then I go where I live, work, worship, and play, and I put it into action in every aspect of my life. And I'm just following Jesus. That's all it is. What is God's will? I don't know what his will is. I, well, see, sometimes, follow me on this. Sometimes God doesn't care. If, if some of you, because some of you start to freak out and you're like, oh my gosh, well, which cereal should I have? The, 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 the Oreo, not the Oreo, the Raisin Bran one or the Fruit Loop one, you know? 
Well, maybe I should pray to God about it. Well, hold on a second. God actually wants, we have been made in his image. Sometimes he actually just wants us to pick. He wants us to decide. Sometimes you're buying this house or this house. I don't know which one. If, it's, if God's not made it clear, like he's not shut any doors, and maybe he's just saying, pick one. And not because he doesn't care, but actually that he cares for you to learn making a decision. That's not, it's not like he's, oh, I don't care what house you pick. No, he maybe cares, but he cares about you. And so all we have to do is really our lives run it through the filter of God's word. Does God's word have anything to say about this? If it doesn't, maybe I check with worldly wisdom and I check, hey, would this be a good financial move? Atheist who can, you know, can you tell me how this maybe, would this help me actually? Because I, I actually want to know if, if I can make more money. So do that. Get some worldly wisdom. That's fine. Get other Christians speaking in. That's great. Get on your knees. Pre- but then if God hasn't slammed any doors or opened it, pick. Move. If you want to go to Kansas, go to Kansas. Some of you are offended. Some of you want to go to Kansas. Fine. Go to Kansas. Derek, you're from Kansas, aren't you? Sorry, dude. I, I'm sorry, dude. I was forgetting about that back there, dude. Kansas is a great, it's beautiful. Beautiful going through it. Kansas is beautiful. Beautiful country. And that corn, man, that's, that's nice. Okay, I got to stop here. I got to stop, but I want to end like this. I want to end like this. <clears throat> how, how much did Jesus go in for you? How much did he go in for you? I mean, just imagine the God of the universe who's been the word, the second person of the Trinity, in relationship with the Father and the Son, one God, three distinct persons. I don't even fully understand that, but that's how he reveals himself. One God, three distinct persons for all of eternity. And then there's a moment where the word lays down his glory and enters into the world through the Virgin Mary and is born as a man. And now Jesus gets a cut on his finger, even though he's been from all eternity, the word now made flesh. And he gets a cut, ah, and he bleeds a little bit. He lays aside glory and picks up into a state of humility. And Jesus goes, I'm I'm, I'm skipping. I I could tell the whole story, but we just time. He goes to the cross. I'm I'm skipping a bunch there. He rules and he reigns.